At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Welcome to In Search Of. We're your host, Ashton and Sam. We're two accountants who binge podcasts by day and TV by night. Keep listening to find what you've been in search of. Hi, Sam. Hey, Ashton. What's up? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> okay. It's kind of a lot. Yeah, a but, lot. Um, oh, yeah. So, anyways uh it's been a while so the, well, we're like super nervous again i feel like it was a while last time yeah we because keep... it was like halloween it was thanksgiving yeah and now so it's i been guess a few weeks since thanksgiving yeah, and yeah it has been a little while also i i saved something to tell you so around thanksgiving we went and stayed in a hotel and i thought of you because <laughs> we, Germs. we are very relaxed in hotels and you are not um so i yeah, that, that's what made me think about you during these um, few weeks that we weren't together. Yeah, and I just had surgery this past week, and being in a hospital setting is like my nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I came home, and it was not 5 o'clock yet, so I still had work to do. And usually I like to come home, and like if I could go in in a hazmat suit, I would. <laughs> and I wanted to come home and like take a scorching hot shower and like, immediately wash all my clothes but I still had work I had to do so I came home and I was like disgusted with myself for a few hours yeah yeah we need to do like a poll on Instagram and be like are you like a relax in the hotel are you like a don't touch anything in the room hotel yes like I have to have socks and (laughs) shoes on we come armed with a bottle of Lysol we have to spray everything before we touch it I try this is gross but I mean I we don't usually stay for that many days in a hotel but I try not to take a shower um I don't touch any doorknobs I don't touch the remote control um yeah I'm impressed we bring our own sheets and we once had like a this sleep sack thing and it was like (laughs) a silk like sleeping bag that you could just put your whole body in so you wouldn't have to touch anything we bring our own pillows my dad Mm. is not like this and he thinks we are absolutely crazy but my mom and I are See, I'm the complete opposite. I'm like, if we drive a long way, stop in the hotel, I'm like, kick off my shoes, go take a shower, hop in the bed. It's like a And I'm thinking about you going to New York and doing this in a New York hotel. Oh, I'm going to be living my best life. Um, Yeah. Anyways, we got off topic there. But yes, Sam and I haven't seen each other in a while. So So. we tried, I try to um, save some conversations for this because if not, we would just yeah, we don't really talk during the work days as much anymore because we know that we'll exhaust all of our conversations. Yeah. And then we would now. sit here silent. Yeah. But anyways, we're here to talk about host- held hostage. <laughs> we were debating, do we say, okay, the topic is about 
hostage being held hostage hostage situations hostage situations situations and we were like do we call the episode hostages hostages <laughs> but that sounds like sausages yeah it doesn't roll off no, the tongue no so this is if you're in search of a tv show a podcast about being held hostage that's what we're talking about today yeah. so we got um well our tv show is clickbait Sam's going to be doing 22 hours, which is a podcast, and I'll be doing 48 hours. So we kind of got to play on um, time numbers kind of thing. But yeah, so those are our three things we recommend. If you don't want any spoilers, stop now. Also, go tell these podcasts, if you listen to them, we sent you. And then also, if you like us. Follow us, subscribe to us. Leave a that, review. Yeah, leave a review. Say, hey, what are y'all, what the F are y'all doing? <laughs> yeah, we'll take constructive criticism <laughs> yeah. too because we are really just trying to make this actually a thing yeah. for us. Yeah, so tell, tell us. We need to hear it. But anyways, okay, so first with Clickbait, this is actually a show we both like. Yes. Yes, it's not a show that Sam likes, no, dislikes and I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we both love this show. Um, I actually saw slash heard like really bad reviews. Like really? I think it's like a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes what? and it, this is another like curveball ending. Like the last show had a curveball ending behind, behind her eyes, behind yep. her eyes yep. that I did not like, but I liked this one yeah, that came this one out is of kind nowhere. Of the same thing where it like takes you for this long story. Like you literally have no idea the whole time like they think that makes you think like oh you think this is the person behind it or you think Mm -hmm. this like at first you think it's the husband right they kind of make it seem like the husband was like messaging these girls had the profile doing the thing then you learn like okay maybe it's not the husband maybe it's the coach his best friend Mm -hmm. um so they kind of go down this like rabbit hole and you know like at first you're like okay could it be the husband but he just seemed too nice and then the coach i definitely thought was in on it yeah and I mean the guy dies kind of in the beginning I thought the show was going to be because it it, the show is sort of like a countdown it's like if this YouTube video gets like five million views or whatever this guy is going to be killed and I thought the whole show was going to be like in a timeline of views kind Mm -hmm. of and at the Mm -hmm. end he was either gonna escape or die and he died right at the beginning. And then, yeah, they introduce a bunch of characters and you're trying to think like, oh, could this guy have done it? Could this be part of it? Mm-hmm. And none of the things that I thought ended up being what mm-hmm. happened. So I also think the main character is so cute. Like he's, Adrian Grenier. He's so cute. Yeah, he's the guy in Double Wears Prada, oh, the boyfriend. Yeah. And he was in, is it, no, not Entourage. Yes, yeah, Entourage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's yes, a cutie he's for nice sure. He's to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, he's not, he, or he's like the bad guy, but not bad guy, but. Yeah, they yeah, make him make out him, to be kind yeah. of. So then it ultimately ends up being the a woman he works with and she is living this it's so weird she's living this double life she's like catfishing people pretending to be him yeah and she strikes up a like conversation with this girl who i think has some mental um like she struggles with i think depression and yeah. some other i can't i can't remember exactly what she struggles with but eventually i think they get in a fight and she's like the girl she's talking to is like threatening to hurt herself 
and I think the woman's like, I don't care. I don't, I don't yes. really remember yeah. what happens. And then I think she ultimately commits suicide, mm-hmm. right? Well, then her brother finds her, I think gets upset mm-hmm. and then, oh, tracks the profile down and thinks it's him. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so he takes him hostage with this other guy. Yeah. And you can kind of tell while they have him that like some things are not like clicking and he's like wait wait a second are you yes is is it really brother yeah Yeah. and because the guy who's taken Mm -hmm. is his name is nick i think Mm -hmm. and he has some kind of pieces of evidence to prove that like that was not me like i did not do this and he's he's like sort of like i get this but but not really and he's just so hurt that Mm -hmm. his sister was pushed to do this that he was like i don't care like i'm gonna do it no matter what um but yeah, yeah he and then ends it's up the, and then you said sister, but I was also thinking it's his sister and wife who end up figuring it out. Yes. And finding him. Yeah. And their relationship was kind of weird too. Yeah. 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 But, um, Nick finds out that his coworker, he realizes his coworker is catfishing and is the one who's pretending to be him and sending all these terrible messages that led this girl to kill herself. And he goes to her house and her husband whacks him on the head yes, and, and he kills es- him. But he escapes, I thought. Or well, knocks him out, but he like wakes up and then, yeah, then he runs yes. off and, and then and escapes. Oh my God. I remember watching that. I was like so mad because he was so close to like getting out and telling like exposing yes. it then. Yes. And then yeah. the little boy who's his son, his son, it was goes, his son. Yeah, yeah. Goes to the house, I think. And I they tried why. to kidnap him yeah. because he starts to put it together. Yes. They were going to kill him. Oh then the boy gosh. runs away. So yeah, it's like this build up, and then a million things happen at the end. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. I thought really, it was good. It yeah. really kept my attention. That and um, behind her eyes, I think came out around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. That was some good, good TV. I really enjoyed yeah. that. But yeah, so kind of goes along with our theme because he was held hostage mm-hmm. for however many hours. Yeah. And then, yeah, once it hit the how many million views or something, then I think they killed him. Yeah. And his friend was a little crazy. I think his friend was the one kind of crazy, like, Leia, let's do it. And the brother was kind of starting to realize, like, okay, this is not, I don't think he did it. Yeah. I, I kind of second think I have the wrong guy, mm-hmm. but I'm in too deep mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So crazy, crazy show, but yeah. it was good. So yeah, y'all should go Do recommend. It. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. So now on to the podcast. Yes. So my podcast is called 22 hours and, um, it's a production of WTOP, which is a new station in Washington, DC. And it's hosted by, uh, WTOP employees. So Megan Cloherty, and she's an investigative reporter, and her coworker Jack Moore, who's the digital editor, and she was the one who like broke the case in Washington. Yeah, like she was actually sitting in in the, um, and she was in the courtroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, the podcast has like transcripts from the court proceedings and all of that. Um, but the podcast was re- released in 2019, but the story happened in May of 2015. And it's the story of the Savopolis family. Uh, the father was, his name was Savas. His wife was Amy. They had a 10-year-old son named Philip, and they had two teenage daughters who were away at boarding school at the time. Um, so they are still living 
But those three, uh, Savas, Amy, and Philip, and one of their housekeepers named Vera, were held hostage in their home for 22 hours, and then they were murdered in their home, and the home was set um, on fire. So... Um, the podcast opens with a man who was doing work down the street from their house. Um, and he was driving home and he noticed like smoke coming out of the house. And so he calls it in and some firefighters arrive on the scene and they find, uh, four bodies. So the three adults and the one little boy, um, and then, it kind of goes into like right away they say that Darren Went is the one who did it and they kind of explain everything that happened so they say this is not like who done it or like what exactly happened because they have like pretty good records in a case like this uh to say what happened and when but they the question is why it just really doesn't make sense so um Amy and Philip were home um one day and Philip was home from school because he was going to a doctor's appointment and their housekeeper Vera was there and uh Savas was actually so he was the CEO of American Ironworks which is mm-hmm. like construction company and they were a very wealthy family just outside of Washington DC they actually lived not far from like the vice president's house at the time and um he was actually opening a dojo studio so it's like Japanese martial arts um and so he would that was in Virginia and so that day he was working on they were very close to opening so he was working on final things out there Amy and Philip were home because of Philip's doctor's appointment and then their housekeeper was there and after the doctor's appointment Amy they think she went out maybe to just get Starbucks she made a quick run and they think at that time Darren like snuck in he cut the phone lines of the home snuck in and took those three hostage when Amy came back And then they have like phone records and text messages um, that were outgoing from the home while they were being held hostage. And Amy called her husband and like lured him basically back home, which kind of didn't make sense because she knew how close he was and how stressed he was with the opening of this studio. But he came home and so he was the fourth victim to be held hostage. And then Savas had to call um, his, he had like a personal assistant that he hired. He was like 20 years old and he had been fired from a previous job. Savas knew him and kind of wanted to help him out. And so he called um, this guy named Jordan and he said, I have like a package that I need you to pick up and bring to the house. And all of this was done like under duress, under like Darren went telling them they need to do this so Savas had gotten withdrawn $40,000 from the bank um Jordan picked it up brought it to the home and like dropped it in a car that was parked in their garage and um there was Amy had sent some like outgoing messages um one was to their other housekeeper named Nellie and she said like Nellie I want to make sure you do not come today and there were like typos in her text message which Nellie thought was kind of odd and she was like she wouldn't normally tell me not to come like that was kind of weird um and then Savas also called Nellie 
and left a message and said, hey, Vera is going to spend the night with us. I want to make sure that like everyone knows like not to come looking for her or to ask from her, for her. She's staying here and she doesn't have a phone charger. Like very weird reasons why she was staying. And after the fact, Nellie said that was a very weird message, but she didn't get it until mm-hmm. the day of the fire. So they were taken hostage one day and almost 24 hours later was when the fire happened. And so Nellie didn't get that message right when he left it. Um, And then another weird, like, outgoing call was uh, Amy ordered two Domino's pizzas, um, which that, like, just makes no sense to me. So Darren apparently forced Amy to order two pizzas from Domino's and, like, very explicit instructions of, like, when you deliver it, don't knock, don't ring the doorbell. Like, I don't feel well, so don't, like, disturb the house. Um, And so he went out, got the pizzas, brought them back in. When he brought them back in, he realized, oh, shoot, they have security cameras. So then there were a bunch of calls to the security company saying, what is recorded? What is stored? How do we delete what's stored? Like, how does the system work? And again, they the security company thought that was kind of odd, but I mean, they didn't know. I mean, how would how would you know? It's just kind of weird questions. Um, so the pizza kind of becomes an important piece of evidence because Darren eats it and leaves a piece and his evidence is on the pizza crust and like even after through all the fires like the pizza remains like intact which is like Domino's pizza I mean can survive I know like that's kind of scary it's like the Twinkies that are like indestructible that doesn't go bad after yes yes years yeah yeah like people keep it in Ziploc bags and they're like there's no mold which is a weird Um, thing people do anyway (laughs) yeah I don't know why you would do that so yeah so they find his DNA on this pizza crust so anyway he Darren went ends up blaming his brothers accusing them because the type of DNA that is found um, at the crime scene at the house can be shared by a sibling. And so he's like, oh, yeah, so is my sibling. Um, But his siblings have alibis. And I think it's kind of neat. One of his brother's alibis was that he was watching like the premiere of this music video that one of his friends put together. And the music video, the song is like the soundtrack to the uh, podcast so like the the little oh, music that you hear that. in the beginning huh. it's called haters haters gonna hate or haters hate or something hmm. like that um and so that's like the little beat in the beginning which I thought was kind of cool um but anyway they convict Darren um he's sentenced to life without parole um but I just this story has stuck with me like I listened to it right when it came out and I tried to get someone else who likes true crime podcasts to listen and she said she couldn't stick with it it didn't like hold her attention and it is a long one so there's 13 episodes and they're like an hour some are a little bit more than an hour long but I think they're just so well done and they keep my attention and as someone who like I can't watch movies which I think I've said before like I could listen to like back-to-back episodes of this and it did not lose me and 
Um, it's just, it's really easy to follow. It's really thorough. Um, the website actually, um, if you go to like WTOP in 22 hours, they have, you know, a little blurb for every episode, but they have, um, images that go with every episode that I think, um, are really helpful. And they kind of give you the layout of the home and images from the home. Um, and I mean, obviously it's weird saying that this is like a favorite because like it's a horrible story. So it's not like a favorite, but I think it's just a really well done podcast and it's just one that has really stuck out to oh, me. Yeah. And I mean, how like horrible. Yeah. And like it's like, you can't even imagine. Um, yeah. What they, uh, yeah. yeah. It's and like the wide- undescribable and there's like so many different things that happen and you're just like, why and how how did it like keep happening like how was it how did yeah something not happen to like alert somebody else or yeah because there were so he many called his like sister I think and had her like wire money yes he was talking to the like they were talking to like so many people on the outside, outside. Mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's like everyone had like hmm this is a little weird yeah but none of it all came together into a wait, let me like actually check on this. And they're like, it's one of the defense arguments was Darren Went was one man. How could he overtake three adults and a child for 22 yeah. hours? Like how could they not overcome him? Yeah. Or, and they were like, I mean, the answer is kind of simple. Like they did it for their son. Yeah, they would do anything to keep him alive. Yeah, and I mean, that does make sense. But then it's like, why he got the $40,000. Why brutally murder these mm-hmm. four people, including a 10-year-old boy, and set the house on fire? Like you got the money. Yeah, it, yeah, they were, I think, um, physically abused, shot, and then Yeah, they the house- did not die in the fire. They no. were like brutally murdered. They mm-hmm. think the boy was maybe still alive, alive when the yeah. fire started and his room was like a complete flashover, whatever they call it when a room like suddenly yeah. erupts. Yeah. But like he had like the boy had like a sword um that was like a real sword, but it was like kind of like a piece of like not memorabilia, but like yeah, a thing for him and like his blood was on the tip of it and baseball bats and there they were hand or not handcuffed uh taped to chairs and so yeah it was just for, yeah it's a horrible horrible yeah and thing. it seems so personal but this guy I mean he prob I think he worked for Ironworks like a long time ago but did not know him like personally like didn't have a personal like vendetta against this guy or his family and I mean he was like out of money and they there's an episode where they kind of talk about his like prior life and he had called his girlfriend and told his girlfriend he was going to kill his family and he was like if you don't ever see me again it's because I've killed like everyone I'm so mad at my family and like I mean he's very I mean, it's pretty obvious. Something was wrong. Yes. Yeah. Also, yeah. I can't get over the fact that he did all that for $40,000. Like, really? I know. $40,000? I know. I know. It's almost like you got more out of what you did to them than $40,000. Right. Like, right. Wh- it just doesn't make any sense And what sense is 40000 going to do gonna to you, you when, when you're in jail? Because, like, how are you going to get away with this? Yeah, it's almost... I don't know. It's... He went in... It's like he didn't go in with a plan and every little thing kind of just unraveled and it was like this domino effect. Yeah. And it just, uh, yeah, it's um, what pulled me in because I, so I listened to it 
um, when probably when right when it came out and mm-hmm. then listened to it again the, this past week for the show and I was having so much trouble like not putting that one down and going and listening to mine because the story like you said it just pulls you in and literally in the first episode they have like the firefighters um their recordings and that stuff is just like hearing them go through okay there's a fire okay then discovering that there's people then discovering that these people were killed before it's Mm -hmm. like the unraveling it's so um gut-wrenching like yeah it's, yeah because they get there and they're like okay it's a house fire they didn't think anyone's home then they get in and then he feels one body and then he goes to move the body and he was realizing he's realizing he's putting this body on top of another one he's like oh my god there's two then another firefighter comes in and they are both they're trying to like move like a single body and he's like I have like the top half and the other guy's like I have the bottom half and he's like no you don't and they're like oh my god there's a third body and then he finds the little boy and they're like there's a lot of blood for like a fire like you usually don't have blood at the scene of a fire and so they come out and they're like oh my god this was not like they died before this and Mm -hmm. so yeah and I think they did a good job too of like speaking on the family like they didn't really focus that much on Darren and like he shouldn't have any focus right what he did was so horrible and yeah and it's it's weird to like talk about this and how bad it is Mm -hmm. um it's like a hard thing to wrap your head around but yeah but I I think they did a good job of honoring the family Mm -hmm. and telling their story yeah and not focusing too much on Darren when sometimes you know you can get too stuck on like okay why did he do it yeah and you're like, like he doesn't is, deserve to have a story yeah, like who is this guy whereas they like told the like the stories of who they are mm-hmm. and what they were trying to accomplish and um, yeah they were a great family mm-hmm. and they had like people and the the housekeeper um Nellie talks about like her experience with them and they the daughters they read what the daughters read um in court yeah and um those are really touching the one daughter said that like I forgive him which I I mean she is a better person than me Uh, because I I don't think I could do that yeah but it um it is such a a good story it is a hard story to listen to but I think it's important because it tells their story Mm -hmm. um and yeah, it doesn't give Darren much, much yeah. time, which I, yeah, I just, sometimes I don't understand where people are like, I mean, I know there's people out there who, who like to just kill to kill, yeah. but then there's the money thing involved. And I'm just like, what dude, really? Yeah. $40,000? I don't know. It, yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, but yeah, it's a good, it's a good one. Mm-hmm. So, but definitely prepare yourself because it's, yeah, it's a little tough. Yeah, it is. So. But, um, yeah, that's a good one. Okay. I guess now 48 hours. Yeah. We're, I was going to say we're doubling it, but that's 44. Yeah, I, know, early, <laughs> I know earlier I was like, 22 is 48. And I was like, no, that's, <laughs> the numbers don't Plus work. Plus a couple. Yeah, don't work out perfectly. Um, okay, so 48 hours is um, part of Criminal, which... I love Criminal. Criminal is a podcast that's been around for a long time and probably like one of the first podcasts I listened to. It was in there with like Serial and I don't know. It's like one of the OGs. Um, the host is Phoebe Judge, which everybody loves Phoebe. Hi, I'm Phoebe Judge. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Phoebe Judge. Is that what she says? 
Right, welcome. This is this is welcome. criminal. I'm. Wait, how does she do? I'm it? Phoebe Judge. This is criminal. Yeah, is that what she says. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, yeah, she's awesome. She tells like a different story every time, and her stories are so good because it's not all murder and um, violence. Violence. Yes, it's interesting stories. So definitely give Criminal a listen. Sometimes they're funny. Yeah, it's it's so good. She does such a good job. Um, the network that Criminal is on is Rodeo, <laughs> not Rodeo, Radio. Radiotopia. Um, and this story actually happened in 2015 as well. And the, um, I guess, victims and people involved, uh, their names are Denise Huskins and Aaron Quinn. Um, so Denise and Aaron had been together for like about seven months, um, I guess at the time of like when the crime happened. And it's like important to note that Aaron had recently broken up with his ex fiance which seems like kind of like a random fact, but it does come into play. Um, so they were staying at Aaron's house in Vallejo, California. And around 3 a.m., they woke up to, like, a man in their room, like, flashing a light, like, a white light, and then, like, red lasers. And so they thought he had, like, guns. Can you imagine how terrifying? Oh, oh my, God. <laughs> my God. She said she just, like, froze. And I, I totally could relate because I just would have, like gone yeah I don't like your heart stops and you're like like, yeah I couldn't move um so they the guy announces like this is a robbery we're not gonna hurt you and the creepy thing is the intruder knew Aaron by his full name so he's like Aaron he says like Aaron um lie face down and he has Denise come and like tie his arms or his hands and feet up and so that kind of like threw them off because they're like okay how does he know um Aaron's full name um, so then once they're like full, like then they tie Denise up and once they're like both tied up, they give them like blackout goggles and headphones. And so the headphones is playing like calming music, like wind chimes. And it, it's saying like, um, stay calm, you know, you'll be drugged. Um, and they would have to answer like financial and personal information. So very, very weird. Um, and so then at some point the intruder realizes that Denise is not Aaron's ex-fiance and he's like, okay, this is like, this was not intended for you. Like this is like, we have to, you know, abort the plan. Like this, you know, this, I get, I, I don't know why like, that we have the off. wrong person. But yeah. I'm like, why does it, how does that throw off anything? But whatever. So he, um, tells both of them that he's going to take Denise for 48 hours and that Aaron's going to have to like complete some task and then Denise will be released. The robber knew, I guess from getting the like personal and financial information, he knows Aaron has like $20,000. So Aaron would have to pay him $17,000. Again, I'm like, what is with these small lump sums of money? Like what? I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, so the robber um, takes Denise, puts Denise in the trunk, and he leaves Aaron at the house, like, with a camera watching him. And he's like, you know, I'm going to be watching you. And also they think are they saw, like, multiple people there. So um, they think there's, like, several people involved, and it's, like, this black market group. Like, that's what they told them. And so he... He tells him, like, I'm going to have a camera watching you, like, threatens his family, threatens Denise, and he's like, if you go to the police, like, I'm going to kill Denise. Um, 
And so, yeah, Aaron's left at the house. The robber, kidnapper, whatever, takes Denise and drives her, like, hours away. And then um, Aaron is kind of, like, going in and out of it because they'd been drugged. And so he, like, falls asleep. And then he wakes up. And he, like, sees his phone. And he's getting, like, emails and messages from the robbers, like, giving him instructions on when to give him the money and when they'll get Denise. And at that point, like... Aaron decides, okay, I can't trust this person. Like, I'm going to have to do something. And so he calls his brother, and his brother's an FBI agent, actually. And his brother's like, look, you're going to have to go to the police. And so he calls the police. And the way the story's kind of set up is Phoebe, I mean, Aaron and Denise are, like, sitting there with Phoebe, and they're talking back and forth. But they do a good job of like telling their perspectives as like Aaron dealing with the cops and then as Denise is kidnapped. So I tried to kind of split it up between like, okay, this is Aaron's experience and then this is Denise's experience. So we'll talk about Aaron first. So they show up at Aaron's house and they're like, have you been drugged? And he's like, yes. And they're like, they say, have you been partying? And so that's like the first red flag. Um, and so then they see the camera and the cops just like go and unplug it. Don't have like his brother and family are there, but they won't let him go see them. Um, like they kept him secluded, like even when he went to the bathroom. So they were literally treating him like a criminal the moment he walked in the door. Yeah, this story, the second time I listened to it, cause I kind of knew like what happened. It was so infuriating and so hard to listen to. Um, and you'll, as we talk about it more, you'll see why, but there's just so many things that go wrong and you're just like, what the heck were the police doing? Um, so eventually Aaron is just like, you know, what evidence do you have against me? And they don't really have anything. And so he asked for his lawyer. So they finally let his brother see him. They've been lying to his brother, telling them that he's having like a schizophrenic breakdown and saying that they know he killed Denise. Um, and so his brother then goes and leaves to go get his lawyer for him. Um, and eventually they like, well, I'll, I'll pause here and I'll move over to like Denise's story. But yeah, so that's kind of like that the whole time Denise has been held, Aaron is like dealing with the cops, realizing that they don't believe him and they immediately think he's guilty. So during this time, Denise, um, she was placed in the trunk. She's driven hours away. The robber, like, brings her in and um, lets her shower. And during the time she's, like, describing her relationship with the robber, kidnapper, she she says he's, like, oddly polite to her, which I thought was so interesting because he is, like, he's he's gentle with her. He, yeah, like, I remember she said that, like, he put her in the trunk and there was, like, a comforter in the yes. trunk. So it was, like, soft and comfortable. Yes, and she's, like, he's he's kidnapping me and he's... Very he, nice. Yeah, but he's being oddly polite. And it's, it's just, it gives, that almost gives me the heebie-jeebies more than just, like, if a kidnapper acts like a kidnapper, but he wasn't acting like one. It's yeah, so the, weird. Yeah, the music, thinking about, like, having this, like, calming music. Oh, my while God. It, that just, ooh. Yeah, so um, she's... You know, she's she's held away and in the way she tells her story it's like hours go by so she'll she'll kind of explain she's being drugged the whole time so she's like going in and out of it and hours continue to go by so eventually you know after a couple hours he tells her like um since they didn't know like since she wasn't who they thought she was 
and they don't have anything against her this part is horrible that she would need to have sex with him and they would have to record it as leverage if she went to the police so he rapes her and he ends up raping her twice um and later that evening he orders her pizza so pizza comes into play again gave her why er, gave her wine and she makes a good point and she says you know he acted like a remorseful um abuser so it's like he's kind of like role-playing it's just so strange um and so at some point she records like a proof of life and they send this to aaron and that's kind of where i left off with aaron's story and i'll go back to that in a second but um you know they do the proof of life again hours go by there's like these gaps of time and he then tells her like the first recording of the rape wasn't good enough or he doesn't call it rape but says it wasn't good enough and they'll have to do it again and so she's like basic and he was like we need to try to make it look like an affair so yeah you and should see the faces that i'm making right now yeah. <laughs> yeah so she's like you know i basically was just performing to save her life and it it like to hear that you're just like oh my god like i just can't imagine what having to go through what she went through um so eventually like the kidnapper and Denise like find out or Denise I guess finds out that they've lost contact with Aaron and he went to the police um and so Aaron's gone to the police like things are kind of starting to come out they they aren't they like they're still you know Denise is still missing they think he's uh Aaron's done it and I guess an article gets put out and so the kidnapper like lets Denise read the article about her missing and she sees a statement by her dad and she's like, that's when I broke down. She's like, even during the two rapes, like I didn't break down. I had it, held it together. But she was like, knowing that my parents knew I was missing, she was like, this is going to kill them. And that's just like, it shows you like how Denise is. It's like, she's not even concerned about herself. She's worried about her parents and her, them knowing what she's going through um, versus just like what she's been through. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you just makes you feel even worse for her. Cause you're like, wow, you're just, such a good person and you're just going through a horrible again thing. all these people are better than i am because <laughs> yeah, I, would be. I know i know so in the whole time she's like you know i'm convinced that he's gonna kill me and she keeps telling him like i think you're gonna kill me and he's like no um you know i i'm gonna stay to the agreement and i'm gonna release you after 48 hours um and so it let me see um so uh, finally he you know he's like okay the 48 hours is up and they get back in the car he like lets her sit in the front seat so you can kind of tell like she's built this trust with him um and she like and she keeps telling herself she's like um still not convinced that he's not gonna kill her but she's trying to show him that like she does trust him um so like if there is a chance that she can escape this alive so they stop at like a rest stop and she thinks they're like out in the middle of nowhere because she like puts her and she's still blindfolded during this whole process like whenever they leave and she like steps her foot out onto the ground and like feels like gravel and she's like okay great we're out in the middle of nowhere like this is when he's going to do it he's going to kill me well he like leads her into the bathroom and so when she takes her blindfold off she realizes like oh we're at a rest stop he's letting me use the restroom and so then she's like okay like I don't think he's going to do it like I think he's actually going to let me go so um, they get back in the car, they make it back to LA, he releases her, and he's like, count to 10, and then you can take your blindfold off, and she realizes that, 
like when she takes her blindfold off she's like within walking distance of her mom's house so she goes to her mom's house and um she's not there she ends up like her dad was like a mile away walks to her dad's house he's not there but they're in Vallejo trying to help like find her so eventually she like gets into a neighbor's house and um they call the police and the police come in and um and I guess I forgot to mention one thing he told the kidnapper told Denise was before he let her go he was like I know you're going to talk to the police because Aaron's already gone to the police and the two things you can't tell them is that we were in the military and that we had sex and he threatens like if you do do this like we're watching your family like we'll kill you and so she's like okay um so at this point they the police have now come to Denise and then this is kind of like again where all the red flags continue to unfold and so back to um Aaron they while Aaron's like being held at the police station they play the proof of life for him and he's like you know I hear her voice and I'm just like oh my god thank god she's alive um and they give Aaron his phone back and they had had it in his possess in their possession since Aaron had come in and his phone they had put his phone in airplane mode and so once he turns it on he sees all these like messages and emails from the kidnapper and he's like literally they've been emailing and contacting me the whole time and y'all didn't even and I think at some point too like before they put it in airplane mode he had gotten like a few calls from the kidnapper and the police like just disregarded it so yeah it's just horrible horrible things so um once Denise is with the police she tells them the whole story and um this made me so mad while Denise is telling the story one of the cops one of the cops asked her like if they just if she had ever asked the kidnapper to let her go and she's like what like okay and then she realizes one of them is kind of like holding um a recording device by his side and so she can tell like something's up because mm-hmm. she's like okay these like why are they acting like this um and so eventually they like let her cousin come in because he's an attorney and they take her to her aunt's house and she gets in touch with like her uncle who's with her parents and her uncle's a lawyer and he's basically like they don't believe you like they're they're not they're not buying um the story and she's like okay and so she just said she's like I've literally have just been released from my kidnapper and she's like it's a nightmare after nightmare and she's like the police aren't believing me um and so Denise eventually like makes it back up to Vallejo and the police offer Denise and Aaron a she they call it a proper agreement which I guess they can um if they tell them what really happens they could get you you in immunity immunity thank you Mm -hmm. and um they were basically like telling them like okay well we're gonna offer y'all this but whoever takes it first gets it like the yeah pitting them against each other exactly exactly um and then they it's the police hold a press conference and basically like blame aaron and denise um they say they owe the community an apology because they've been using all the resources that they could have been using for people who actually need it and basically think it's a host the resources are garbage so that's the resource that they're wasting i mean that is not the problem with that whole thing but still exactly um and the the cops basically think that's like a gone girl okay so like they just totally (laughs) write them off 
Um, and then while that's happening, like someone's emailing the police, I, I'm assuming the kidnapper, and he's like saying that they're not lying. Like they, they were so actually bizarre. I know. He was like, but it's like he wants the fame. He wants yeah. the recognition for yeah. it. And he's like, you know, saying that um, they weren't lying and like providing details, like specific details from the crime. And they still didn't believe them. They still thought it was them in on it. They even thought that like um, Denise's uh, defense attorney was in. Like they just, yeah, it was insane. And also what was kind of sad was like Denise and Aaron weren't re- weren't reunited until like a week after the the event happened. Um, because they thought they were suspects and they were having to like, yeah, it's, it's horrible. So two months after they were attacked. So like this whole time they did not think that they were like, they thought they were, um, the criminal, like they were in on it this whole time. Um, so two months after in another area in California, someone, someone else like, broke or the the kidnapper attacker or whatever broke into someone else's house and the people fought back and when he escaped and left he like dropped his phone well they found us they you know the, the cops got his phone traced it back to um matthew muller is his name traced it back to his mom's uh like i guess her account and she's like oh yeah he's been staying in our family home so they go to the family home, arrest him, search his house. They see, like, uh, in his house, they find, like, laptops, cell phones, license plates, like, all these things he'd stolen. They go to the car, and the car, um, it was this Mustang that he had. It was actually a stolen car. In the trunk, they find, like, duct tape, zip ties, Nerf guns that were painted black and had the, like, little uh, red lasers to make them look yeah to look like guns and then blacked out goggles and so they take all this evidence in and they track down like who the car was stolen from and they find it's from a guy who actually lives near Aaron and said that like this guy had been um they, they like had called into the cops that someone had been like watching people in their houses and stuff and called it in and the cops never did anything about it another red flag so um the detective kind of puts that together because it he was like yeah my car got stolen right around the time that the gone girl thing happened and she's like that's interesting and so the detective calls the vallejo police saying she's like hey i have a person of interest and so she eventually gets uh connected with the fbi and the fbi goes and looks at all the evidence um and they find that one of the laptops that was stolen was aaron's and so that's how they make that ultimate um connection and then also they saw in the mustang like the gps was where denise had been dropped off um so it was just a lot of evidence and so eventually they catch this guy and um he and he was a harvard grad like lawyer recently divorced was having issues at work i think let go and it's just frustrating because they were treated as criminals right when they walked through the door which I'm like you as a cop your whole thing is everybody is innocent until proven guilty Mm -hmm. and then Matthew Mueller they said like even in articles they refer to him as like an ex-Harvard grad and I'm like okay so the guy that who did you can this. be a criminal, a rapist, all this, but you get to be called, known okay. by the fact that yeah. you went to Harvard. Yeah, and it, it's just so frustrating because 
they just it's like they they are treating the people complete opposite of like Matthew Miller was getting you know he was the criminal and he was being treated as he was like innocent and yes. and oh it wasn't that bad and then the people who were the victims were being criminalized yes it's so it's just so so frustrating and I think um, eventually they sued the cop or the police department they paid them two and a half million dollars which oh, yeah they did yeah they deserved it they eventually apologized uh, but yeah it was um. And they, I think they ended up finding out there was, like, some corruption within the police department. Even the detective in 2015 that was, like, on this case got detective of the year. <laughs> and you're like, really? Really? <laughs> um, but, yes, this story is... It is insane. One of the craziest stories. And they ultimately said that, like, he did it alone. And they were like, no, we saw people, like, we saw multiple people's, like, feet. Like, yeah, yeah. And so they, they saw at least two pairs of legs, I think. Yeah, yeah. And But he says, like, no, it was just one person. And then I think he ultimately, I can't remember how many years in prison, but I think they said, like, 40 years or something like that, which I'm like, Ugh. I would want that guy, yeah, locked up forever. But it was it was sweet at the end. Um, Aaron and Denise like eventually got married in 2018. They had a little girl and she was born on the day a year, I think, later or five, five years later. Yeah. Five years later to the day that I think Denise was released, which yeah. is, it's like a, a happy ending Full to a horrible. Thing, yeah. yeah. And they do a lot of things with victims, which is so good because did they ever say why he originally wanted his ex-fiance i don't know i i couldn't figure out like why that ever even mattered because it's yeah like, i still think he would have gone through the same plan i don't yeah. know I, yeah because I, I mean they made you know like you said kind of a point of like wait does your does denise look like your ex-fiance uh-huh. and he's like yeah they both have like long blonde hair or whatever and then he was like shit mm-hmm. this is the wrong person yeah but like i i don't think they ever really explained why he wanted mm-hmm. the ex fiance yeah i don't know i don't know if that ever really mattered because i think he still would have gone through with the same course of action whether i think he would have too but i just wondered why he yeah was going to target her what he had against her and if he even knew her or what Mm -hmm. this story is just so elaborate and what that guy went through and all the things he like the recordings to the goggles to yeah, and how awful the cops are. I mean, I feel like oh. that's a common theme, but this is one of the worst, one of the worst. Oh, one hundred percent. It was it. It was so hard to listen to because I just I knew how they were gonna treat them, mm-hmm. and yeah, I just kept going back to the like that. That's literally like num like the first thing you learn in being a cop or detective is like yeah. you got everyone is innocent until proven guilty and yeah and you at least have to like take it into consideration and be like even if they didn't believe them be like okay well we're gonna go through the mm-hmm. steps to prove that false yeah, or they true didn't even go through and, the steps yeah they literally um there was like when i talked about the call like mm-hmm. there was one call they three calls they got monday night literally like the first night it happened literally if they would have tracked down those calls mm-hmm. they would have seen they would have found her yeah and yeah, it's a crazy, crazy story. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm glad that they survived. Yeah. And that they have a little girl now yeah. and everything's good. And Matthew Muller is um, put away in jail. But yeah. crazy, crazy stories. Yes. So Both. I don't know why I just clapped. Well, <laughs> we're done. <laughs>
But you do have a do nice have, thing to I end do have on. Do something good. I was thinking of something good to talk about, and uh, mine is the Middle Tennessee German Shepherd Rescue. We rescued our pup there in 2018, and it's just a good like organization. And you know, we always try to send them like if we have dog food left over always try to give it to them if we have like a kennel like we got a kennel for dc we used it like twice and never used it again and we give it the kennel and they always are you know they'll rescue dogs that have issues and we'll ask for donations to try to get them the best care and so they have a facebook page and an instagram and they only adopt out like here locally in nashville but you can still give them you know do they have a location or do because there's another it's called um wags and walks uh-huh. or wag yeah wags and walks in nashville and like i guess it started in los angeles a dog rescue mm-hmm. and they have a branch here but they don't have any like physical locations because all the dogs yeah. are fostered and then you pick them up from the exactly. foster. It's the same kind of concept it's yeah. not like a location yeah every all the dogs so they'll take them from like kill shelters mm-hmm. and um foster them until they find them a good home yeah and so they yeah we we uh love them and love our dog obviously but yeah they're a good little organization here in nashville that takes care of takes care of um puppies german shepherds so yeah that is a good thing to end on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah so i know we talked about some really dark stuff so just go hug your dog or cat, or whatever. Or look at pictures happy. of them online. Yeah, whatever that's makes what you happy. You need. Yeah, because <laughs> this was some dark content. But, um, anyways, that's it. So yeah. So till next time. Okay. Bye, Sam. Bye, Ashton.